How do you feel about tweeting when celebrities die? It is a little contrived, but I do feel celebrities are just kind of in a different zone. I think it's a fine line between right self-aggrandizement or putting yourself in the middle of that story. It should be okay if you want to say something about a celebrity because you're sad about it. One that I'm like unfortunately anticipating, like Iggy Pop. When he passes away, I'll definitely do something. I mean, I remember when Prince died and everyone was like losing their minds. Tributes are nice. What's wrong with that? When it gets bad is when the person was controversial. Then it just gets like really twisted out there. I've also noticed that a lot of people post about artists where I've never heard them like really engage with them before and it just kind of seems like they're jumping on a bandwagon. Everything's open for comment when you're a celebrity. When someone dies that they're very disassociated from and they're like oh my gosh like I'm gonna miss him and I'm like really you're gonna miss him like you don't know him. Hello and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany hello, and Ashley Carmen, that's me, examine all the choices technology forces us to make. Today the time has come to put our death series to rest. Part three of Death Online. This is our final installment of the mini series. And today we are talking about why we tweet so much when celebrities die. If you're not familiar with this phenomenon, which I of death. Of, of celebrities <laughs> dying and people tweeting a lot about it. I would like to take us on like a little journey mm-hmm. back to about three years ago. Prince died. This is a real headline from the website I work at, so I'm allowed to make fun of it. Vox.com. Yeah, Vox.com. Prince's death inspires passionate, heartfelt, beautifully weird Twitter tribute. Oh, my God. Here's one from BuzzFeed. It was a different era, I hope. Three years ago. (laughs) Here's one from BuzzFeed. 27 beautiful and moving tweets about Prince's death. No. No. Here's one from Fortune, a business publication. Quote, Cheerios angers fans with tweets about Prince. For some context, what had happened (laughs) was that Cheerios, the breakfast cereal, had tweeted a purple rectangle that said, rest in peace, but the dot above the I was a Cheerio. (laughs) Okay, and also, um, at the time, Twitter said that there were six million tweets about Prince within five hours of him dying. Holy camoly. Jeez. (laughs) At the risk of being mean, we are going to read a couple of really bad tweets about Prince dying. Yay. Here's a tweet. I can't believe Prince would ever die. It just seems so beneath him. So dot 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 common. Uh. Crying in the elevator. A lady just got in sniffling. We looked at each other. No words. We both knew. Hashtag Prince. (laughs) New York, you never know. Prince never dies. He transcends. Those tweets were selected by a mainstream publication as an example of the best tweets about Prince dying. Another like really big category of celebrity death tweet that was unfortunately not represented on this list is the the very like personal like this person taught me it's okay to be an oddball. Like they walk to the beat of their own drummer and so do I. Like I'm a cool original just like Prince. Obviously, Prince dying was a big deal and very sad in a real way for a lot of people. Of course. And Brooklyn was wild for weeks after (laughs) Prince died. However, this is a passion hatred of mine, celebrity death Twitter. Which is how all our episodes come to be. Yeah. It's just like us bullying each other into talking about (laughs) things we hate. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. Celebrity death Twitter, the phenomenon of millions of tweets about a celebrity dying, all of them either heartfelt and sincere and beautiful and moving or from cereal brands. So why is this a hatred of yours? Give me your take here. Like, what's up? First of all, celebrity death Twitter 
is foul. Mm -hmm. It's Twitter at its worst. It's people showing off, like, their most, like, earnest, heartfelt prose, which is typically really bad and corny and embarrassing. And it's also just, like, this really – there's a real horse race to be, like, I understand – this celebrity's legacy the best and I found the most obscure thing from the archive to share and they meant the most to me and here's my like really personal story and like I am not saying this at all because I have a beef with celebrity culture I don't when Harry Styles dies that will be the end of my world but I are you gonna tweet about it no see that's the thing is like I wouldn't be able to adequately explain myself in a Twitter thread that feeling and so I wouldn't try. I think if you can explain it in a Twitter thread, maybe you don't mean it that much. And I also think just like as a tech reporter who's been trained to be cynical about these things, I think Twitter probably loves it when a celebrity dies. They get a huge activity spike. They put it on the like trending page. Yeah, trending topics. They have their like editors curate it into the Twitter moments. And it's the rare time on Twitter where like everybody is really, like, moved and talking, and there's, like, high-stakes emotions, but you're not discussing, like, mass violence or a natural disaster or something like that. It overtakes the platform. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and it's, like, everyone's being so sweet and sincere. Like, oh, man, it's just great for their bottom line. And also to lightly neg our boss, Milai, my mm-hmm. former boss, your current boss. Yes. I can't say anything. I still remember last summer... I found out that Anthony Bourdain died because Milai tweeted a link. This is how you found out? Yeah, there was like a news article about Anthony Bourdain dying and Milai tweeted it was just, oh no. Oh no. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) Why? Why tweet that? So this kind of gets into my beef with celebrity death Twitter, which is that I actually am totally fine if someone has a really heartfelt story to share. I mean, whatever. Like if you met Prince when you were five years old and he like, he gave you a chocolate bar and it was like the best day of your life. Oh man. I don't know what Prince does or did, (laughs) but like fine, share it and like totally cool with it. But yeah, like no offense to Eli, don't fire me. But the oh no, that's what gets me like activated. So the question today that we're trying to answer is where does the urge come from to tweet when a celebrity dies? Why must you tweet to acknowledge a dead celebrity, whether it's like with emotion or without emotion? And does it really matter? (laughs) Are we just being brats? Is this a new kind of public mourning, a new kind of personal brand maneuver? pivot. Or both. Or neither. Yeah, so we're going to talk to a couple of extremely online people like Ashley Feinberg, a former Gawker reporter who's now at Slate, and Hanif Abdurakib, who is a super beloved poet and music critic. And then we're talking (laughs) to a surprise celebrity guest. Can you believe it? I emailed two celebrities. And you got an answer. I got one celebrity. It's amazing. (laughs) We're really moving up in the world on this podcast. I know. And then later, of course, we have a sociologist who specializes in death and disaster. That's like their real title. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be good. First up, Ashley Feinberg, a reporter at Slate, who is very on Twitter, on Twitter a lot, super attuned to its horrible quirks. She gave us a working definition of 
celebrity death Twitter as a proper noun. Celebrity death Twitter is the period directly after a prominent figure has died when everyone feels compelled to weigh in on the fact that this person has died in the strongest, most kind of emotional and cheap terms they can possibly think of. Like, it's a time to prove how earnest you are and how much you, like, care about other people and about the world at large. And the best way to do that is to send out a tweet saying that, like, Bill Murray meant everything to you and your life is never going to be the same again. But she recognizes that this leaves a lot of room for interpretation. Celebrity death Twitter is hard to precisely pin down. It's kind of like the porn quote, like, you know it when you see it. And, like, you can tell when someone's, like, putting on a very specifically kind of contrived look or emotion for this day and to like kind of fit in with the like cascade of mourners like going through your timeline. Perhaps you remember when Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, I mean like I like Carrie Fisher. She did a good great stuff. Like I I didn't know her. I I was not like a Star Wars like super fan. So yeah, I mean just like all the sort of cartoons people draw of like Yoda shedding a single tear as he's like looking onto this like beautiful sunset in the shape of Carrie Fisher's head is just like very, uh, it's a little too much for me. The whole cycle makes her anxious and it always goes the same way. Anyone who dies, there's the round of people being like, God rest his soul. Like he was too good for this earth. And then people being like, he should have been dragged through the streets years ago and just like being profane and then people saying how insensitive it is uh, and unfunny for all the ones who are uh, trying to desecrate this man's memory and it's only he's, he's, he's only been dead for a year now and like how dare they uh, keep talking about this and then people chastising the people, scolding them because whatever reason they have. John McCain's death was particularly bad. John McCain, for instance, like we had a long time to sort of anticipate like what the response was going to be. And even then it was so much worse than I could have imagined, especially like DC reporters, like telling these like very elaborate stories about how John McCain once passed them a pencil as they were like walking past each other or how he went to some party they knew someone at and it was the most beautiful thing they've ever seen in their entire lives. Everyone sort of felt like they had to prove to everyone how personally affected they were by this person's death that they've never met and who has just as much of a relationship with them as anyone else, which is no relationship at all. I mean, everything we do online is very sort of contrived and us creating this like picture of what we want to be. But like when someone dies, it, it just seems like all sort of shame or like sense like kind of goes out the window and everyone is just sort of climbing over each other to be the person who is most upset that this figure died. Ashley recognizes that some small percentage of these tweets must be sincere, but not all of them, not even close. When Bob Dylan dies, like every single person in the media is going to have suddenly had like a very profound and real and emotional world forming connection to Bob Dylan. And we're all going to have stories about how much he changed us and made us want to be the writers we are today. Though there have been celebrity deaths that actually made her sad. I mean, when Robin Williams died, I, I was like genuinely very sad. I don't know that if I tweeted about it. That was like the first time and I think I can remember like really feeling like any sort of like very strong emotion to someone dying who I had never met before. And she doesn't really think that 
nobody should ever tweet when they're sad about a celebrity dying. It's helpful to, like, tweet out the numbers like the suicide hotline because, like, triggers, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, like, genuinely useful things you can do on Twitter. And I think, like, it's fine to sort of, like, indulge in, like, memories of, like, things that matter to you. But sort of, like, the meta kind of just, like, going in on, like, how significant this day is, like, for you and, like, how mad you are at all the people who are not mourning in, like, the exact same way as you is just very, like, a lot. She also reminded us of one of our favorite recurring Twitter jokes. Yeah, so one of our former podcast guests, Brian Feldman, every time a celebrity dies, he does a very basic parody. Yeah, so as we mentioned, it's kind of a trope for people to be like, Prince taught me it was okay to be weird, or like, David Bowie taught me it was okay to be weird. So every time a celebrity dies, Brian is obligated, I guess, by tradition of his own making, to tweet, what can I say as a kid— John McCain taught me it was okay to be weird. Or, what can I say? As a kid, Charles Manson taught me it was okay to be weird. It's honestly a good recurring bit. I'll I'll give it to Brian. It's It's the only good celebrity death Twitter. It's good. We'll give it to him. Especially because, like, you can tell there's going to come a day when it's really going to pain him. Like, Brian is maybe, like, loves Bruce Springsteen even more than I, if that's believable. I feel like when the Bruce Springsteen dies, it's going to be really hard for him to do that tweet. Or if he ever gets aggregated into a BuzzFeed list. <laughs> that's the one set of tweets I look forward to is Brian tweeting that everyone who's dead taught him it was okay to be weird. So that's kind of the cynical take on the situation, I would say. If I hadn't been utterly debilitated by a bacterial throat infection the day we spoke to Ashley, I would have stood up and cheered in a few places. She gets to kind of like what I'm wondering about too is the motivations. Because to me, I mean, specifically my beef with like the oh no's and specifically journalists or media Twitter, for me it feels like they're just sharing to share news. So I'm just like, why? And Ashley seems to like get into that a little bit. Yeah. But we don't have to stay all gloomy and yeah. doomy, even though it's our favorite place to be. Yeah. So our next guest is someone who's willing to give these celebrity death tweeters the benefit of the doubt. We have Hanif Abdurakib, a poet and music critic who recently wrote about his fear of Bruce Springsteen dying in the New York Times. He says celebrity deaths are weird mostly because they're communal and isolating at the same time. What's most interesting to me is that celebrity death particularly is seen as this kind of communal experience because everyone is experiencing it together at large. But because so many of us experience the life and work and value, as it were, of a celebrity in different ways, it's actually really isolating, you know, and it can feel really isolating if someone doesn't feel the same way that you do, or if someone is not as emotionally jarred as you are, that can kind of be isolating in a way. Or to be on the other end of that and watch everyone mourning a person you did not have a relationship with can also be isolating. This confused feeling is why people want to tweet and why they so often tweet stuff that seems kind of annoying. You know, the first wave of things is the eulogy, folks eulogizing via tweet threads. Or, you know, for me, as someone who's invested in musicians and music, what I I tend to love is the archival, the resurfacing of old interviews 
interview clips or old live performances or old photos. But in the midst of all that, too, of course, I think you get people who are perhaps eager to make it known that they're not that interested in the person who died or were not that interested in their lives. You know, I, I think that in some ways comes out of a feeling of isolation or that comes out of a feeling of wanting to reaffirm to the world that you are not alone in this feeling or this choice that you have made. Of course, it doesn't translate that way when we see it. But I do have a, a type of sympathy for that expression. Hanif thinks that eulogizing celebrities in your tweets is a good way of justifying all the time you spent thinking about them when they were alive. There is something about the struggle to convince yourself that your life loving this person was worthwhile. A part of what I wrote about in that Springsteen piece, I wrote about this idea that I am preparing myself to live a life without Bruce Springsteen in the world. So I'm preparing myself to mourn. And I'm doing that now so that I can fairly make sense of this life I've lived kind of tied to being a fan of this person's music who I don't know, right? The idea of fandom is, is an absurdity and on its face, right? Because people tie themselves to the careers and lives and production of creative people or or sometimes not creative people who they don't know and don't have any access to. And so when those people die, there is that, that tone of what you're talking about where people are kind of attempting to stand atop each other's shoulders and shout to the masses about how they understood something about this person that no one else understood, which is a fallacy in general. But I have some sympathy for that. Still... Hanif is not dumb, and he knows what we're talking about. Celebrity death Twitter gets super weird when the celebrity's life wasn't all rainbows and sunshine and sprinkles. I know I've been romanticizing the space to grieve and all this, but I think, let's be fair, all celebrity deaths are handled weird on Twitter. I mean, I think the weirdest ones are the ones where people cannot separate themselves from the fact that the person is very complicated. The day David Bowie died, there was kind of a shift in talking about consent and like his past history with much younger women. And is it one thing to say, yes, well, he is several decades removed from that, but also how can we engage in a full retrospective look at his life without considering this too, and is considering this in the moment, taking away from the fact that he is no longer here. I don't know if that's saying that it was handled weirdly, but I was kind of fascinated to see people working through those very real-time complications. Because it is tough, right? When someone dies, that requires in some ways a full-life retrospective. But what do you do when within that full-life retrospective there are things that are less than honorable? More or less, he doesn't think celebrity death Twitter is much different than all Twitter. I just think that is the ecosystem of the Internet. The Internet is kind of just one infinity loop of people waiting to be excited about something or moved about something. And another group of people waiting to tell those first group of people how stupid they are to be excited. Right. And so to me, that's just the machinery of it. And with that said, he's going to log off when Bruce Springsteen dies. I actually think I'd need to be private for that one, you know. What I'm taking from these interviews so far is this is kind of like a, a tragedy of the common situation. Like if you have sincere sadness and you want to express it, but when you do express it, it looks like it's just part of this like onslaught, this like cacophony of like generic sad, you know, like dime a dozen mm -hmm. tweets about sadness. And it's also maybe confusing because of context collapse. If you're telling these heartfelt stories about meeting a celebrity, I don't know if you've made them up. I don't know who you're expecting to read this story or why you expect me to care. Like, it, it's all just, it's kind of like, we're all just like shouting our sadness at the same time. And some of us are, um, are really annoying about it. Well, 
And also, I think it's a function of just Twitter being like a place where people like to peacock and be super kind of egotistical, like, hear my voice. What I have to say is important. Mm-hmm. And and also just our culture is totally steeped in irony. And I think we have a problem where we just don't believe anyone's authentic with anything they say. Feldman is contributing to that problem by being like, <laughs> who knows? You could read his tweet and very literally think he's sad. But yeah, maybe it's the venue, yeah. right? So like if Prince died and I had texted you and was like, dude, this really sucks. And like, I'm super sad about it. I think you would be like, okay, like that's the appropriate venue for me to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think it's when it's a very public tweet that we start to get into issues. Maybe. Yes. I don't know. We have more guests to talk to. So maybe they'll give us more answers. After our break, we have a surprise celebrity guest who is going to talk about how they would like to be tweeted about when they die. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It will be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond, from details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. So what you're hearing is a song written by real-life famous person, Sydney Gish, a singer-songwriter who really dabbles in the beautiful, peppy songwriting about dark stuff, like death. It's bleak, but it's cool. She's moderately online, and she agreed that celebrity death Twitter is weird, weirder if you're a celebrity. And not even annoying. It's more so just like everybody feels like they should like say something but at the same time it's like when everybody says something if like it's just a million people like in unison saying rip which is like nice and everything but it's like a its own kind of thing with twitter it's like kind of the same energy as like a facebook comment because you want to just say a quick thing but when you retweet it and quote it and say oh no or rip it's different than just replying to the tweet with oh no or rip so I don't know what the difference is there, but it's like people do both of those things. Sydney thinks that Twitter has rewired our brains, not necessarily in a good way or a bad way. It definitely like feels a bit morbid looking at like these really abbreviated comments connected to articles about famous people dying. But it's just like a little way of saying like, I recognize this and I feel bad about it. But when you quote tweet it and like say something above it, it's interesting because it like if somebody who's like super morbid could read that as being like, I'm going to use this death to get likes for myself, which is just like a morbid view. But it's like so much communication on social media can be misconstrued as like narcissism just because of the way that it's like based around performance. But when people spend most of their time like looking at screens, like sometimes something like that can like feel really genuine to the person tweeting it. 
like I know I feel genuine sometimes if I tweet something like that that looks inane and maybe attention seeking, but it's really just like a normal way of communicating if you spend a lot of time on Twitter. Sydney is firmly Gen Z, so none of this feels as bizarre to her as it does to us. Because I don't really remember a time before like social media. I remember like just logging onto the internet and seeing at least the comments section of articles about famous people who had died. Like I remember my first like celebrity death that ever hit me was like Steve Irwin and I was like nine. I just remember seeing it on the news and being sad and then I went on the computer and googled stuff about it but I was just reading other people's comments and I wasn't really in a space yet where people were like commenting about it themselves who I knew. Well, I think I'll definitely log off the day Bruce Springsteen dies. Sydney doesn't really relate to that impulse. If I haven't personally met them, it would be like really sad, but it wouldn't be like a period of mourning where I would like leave the internet entirely. Like maybe I would like go on Twitter for a bit and be like, that's really sad and then like leave Twitter. But I wouldn't be like, I can't go on the internet today because this death has shaken me so much. She does, however, worry about what will happen when YouTubers and Instagram influencers start dying. The celebrity deaths that would hit people the most, I think, would be the people who are social media stars, because then the lack of their voice is like much more prevalent on social media itself. And if it's somebody in a movie who dies, it's kind of like a far away morning. But if it's like somebody who tweeted every day and they die, like everybody tweets at them like, oh my God, you're not here on Twitter anymore. She has not yet started thinking about exactly what people will tweet about her when she dies. If people started like saying memories and stuff, that would be cool. But I think like mainly when people tweet about people dying, it's like to share the information. So I don't know what I would want people to tweet about me when I died. Like I think I think maybe it would be cool if they did or if they were just like um, being like, oh shit, like I guess she's dead, like better go check out what she's made so far. This is where it gets a little cerebral. Sydney thinks that the language and style of engagement on Twitter the basic fact of her generation at this point and will never go away even if Twitter dies. So celebrity death Twitter is unavoidable. We'll all have celebrity death Twitter. This is just how people are going to talk about death. I feel like Twitter is going to exist for a long time, even if it becomes like the choice of communication for like angry wine moms in 30 years and all the kids are somewhere else. Even if Twitter isn't around for much longer, I feel like the generation that's growing up on Twitter and looking at tweets all day, that's going to shape how they interact with language for their whole lives. Once we got deep into death talk, Sydney did start to evaluate her online legacy. I think that because I'm fairly young, if I died, all my music would automatically be way sadder. Like, oh my gosh, she's a young person that died. Like, if I had any advanced knowledge that I was dying, I would want to clean up any ideas that I didn't get to finish and kind of put them out in a big dump and then, like, peace out of the world. We recommend she listens to episode one of Why'd You Push That Button's Death Online series, which will help her with this exact problem. Like, if somebody went through my voice memos after I died, they would see it's just like fuck.mp3 and it's like 20 minutes long and it's like a bunch of guitar chords that are bad (laughs) if they put that out it would be like oh that kind of sucks but it's like that's it sucked and I kept it on my phone and I didn't publish it and that's why but putting out posthumous work if it was intended to like eventually be completed is good and that's also some shit that like is really helpful to put in your will which like maybe I should write a will (laughs) like um, because now I'm doing this podcast and thinking about death Sydney girl, we know you're young, but write a will. I mean, I can't talk. Like, I don't have a will. But, like, I'm not a famous person, so write a will. Okay, finally, since the recurring thread here throughout all of our interviews has been that our brains were just dated by the internet. It's true. It's really gross. (laughs) The last thing we have to do is talk to a sociologist who can contextualize celebrity death Twitter in, like, a broader history 
of public mourning. Someone who knows something about the way that we did things before the internet existed. This is why everyone comes to the show. They want to hear from the sociologist. I know it. <laughs> I know it. Okay, great. So we spoke to Timothy Recuber, an assistant professor of sociology at Smith College. His research focuses on mass media, digital culture, and disaster. Bum, bum, bum. The book I'm working on now, which uh, is tentatively titled Death and the Digital Self, looks at the ways that the dead and dying use the internet to represent themselves. That means analyzing things like blogs of the terminally ill, digital suicide notes, and websites where users can post messages to be played for loved ones after they die. So ways people try to sort of extend themselves past, you know, their sort of corporal presence. He says celebrity death Twitter actually involves a lot of evolving norms. And we're all just kind of sitting around waiting to call bullshit on each other. There are sort of two schools of thought. I mean, one is the sense that there's something inherently kind of inauthentic or unhealthy about engaging or at least engaging too much with uh, death and dying in public via social media. Uh, and then there's another school that says, uh, no, you know, this is healthy. You know, this is a reaction to uh, how death was treated for a long time in the 20th century, uh, the sort of denial of death where the dying and the dead were kind of ghettoized to hospitals or, you know, cemeteries and and mourning people too strongly or for too long was seen as sort of violating some norm or at least uh, mourning people too publicly. You know, the, the critiques of that had been pretty well formed by, you know, uh, the 90s, uh, well before the internet really kind of took center stage. Even the earliest uh, news articles that I was reading from 2006, 2007, you had people saying, this is good. You know, especially young people are engaging with death and with mortality in ways that are public and that are not sort of, they're not being shamed for it and they're not repressing what they're feeling. So yeah, I think that's the one school of thought. And the other is just sort of, no, it's too performative. It's inauthentic. Uh, you know, it's just uh, wrong. Timothy is, like Hanif, quite generous toward the people of Twitter. He says they're more empathetic than we initially believed. You know, I did find news articles where people were saying things like, uh, you know, you didn't know David Bowie. I never saw you tweet about Prince. And now all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> you, you care? That's phony. That's fake. And it's sometimes hard to tell the difference because the internet makes it so seamless to engage in some kind of token gesture, right? That's, I guess, a difference between the sort of pre-digital age and today. It's not that people haven't wanted to mourn publicly, you know, 93% of the families with TVs in the country tuned in to watch JFK's funeral procession, but it's a lot easier to do it now to express some kind of token gesture of sympathy or empathy or whatever. And I think, you know, to me personally, that is not necessarily bothersome, right? That someone wants to acknowledge someone else's passing and, and assume that other people were really bothered by it uh, or really upset by it, uh, really had a kind of deep connection. Uh, then, you know, the least you can do is sort of acknowledge it and say, oh, yeah, that's that's sad. I feel bad for you. He says what we're really reacting to is the evolution of the Media. The media in general has been able to get quicker and more intimate with the way they covered tragedies and disasters. The sorts of like in your face visuals you can get when there's a, a mass shooting at a high school or something where the media is on the scene almost immediately. You can see sort of, you know, shocked or traumatized students emerging from these schools and stuff. You know, that's something that people, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago were, were not privy to. So I think it does up the intensity of the public reaction to all sorts of, you know, very public misfortunes, whether it's a celebrity dying or, you know, a hurricane or uh, something like that. Twitter is particularly good at blurring the line between a public experience and a private one. Yeah, I mean, I think Twitter changes that in that it's sort of this 
quasi-public thing, although I don't know, I don't think they're public in quite the same way, unless your tweet sort of goes viral and then suddenly uh, you have a sense of the larger audience there. But for most of us, the confines of our social networks online are somewhere between like the full-on public of like a newscast and the privacy of your home, right? So quick sidebar, another reason we did this episode is because Ashley kept asking if we could do something about Boo the Instagram famous dog who died recently. And I really could not bring myself to care. I never followed Boo. I didn't know about Boo. Boo looked like literally any Instagram famous dog you've ever seen. That and, is so not true. But it's sad because Ashley and I lost that opportunity to connect and be sad about the dog. There's just too many famous things now in the age of Instagram and YouTube and et cetera, et cetera. So Tim actually says that this weird fracturing of the celebrity death experience will get worse, but he did not want me to freak out. And he said, we'll ultimately still have big moments of shared death. I think the kind of micro celebrity or the the, the influencer it just can't have the the sort of reach of a of a an old kind of star like Bowie was or like Prince was or like uh, Robin Williams, right? Um, you know, people like that uh, are much more likely to generate this kind of stuff. But I mean, people like that will still exist, right? I mean, they'll still be movie stars, even in the kind of age of, you know, a zillion different uh, television shows and things like that that we exist in. I mean, I think you have seen a shift to a certain extent. You don't see politicians mourned this way anymore, like the way that JFK or Princess Di were mourned because, you know, we live in a really sort of fractured political landscape where there's not as much consensus that people should be mourned, right? Whereas David Bowie and Prince and, and Robin Williams, to a certain extent, are or, or Carrie Fisher, they're they're safe, right? And I think that's, what, that's what's powerful about them. Everyone can kind of agree that these were noteworthy people. They m- made art that a lot of people cared about. Um, and I, yeah, I don't think you'll have that with your influencers or your in- Instagram famous dogs. And Tim thinks there are scarier things to worry about. I mean, there eventually will be more dead people on Facebook than living people somewhere far down the line, unless Facebook starts to just destroy the memorialized profiles and such. Oh my God, that's really dark. <laughs> well, I hope and pray that Tim is wrong and Facebook is not around in 100 years. The servers, we must protect them. No. <laughs> so I think we had a real learning experience. And what I learned is that I'm a terrible person who sees the worst in everyone. Maybe this entire time, the urge to tweet about a celebrity death was just about being sad yeah, and basically going to an internet funeral. And maybe the reason I felt like judging everyone was because I just didn't think they were expressing their sadness in a way that was palatable to me personally. I honestly, and this is not me dragging you, but I actually could see you at a real funeral for someone being like, that was not an acceptable way to like mourn. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, this does not change my opinion that there's no reason for a brand to tweet about a celebrity death. Mm-hmm. I do think Twitter probably loves it when the celebrity dies. I still think that's probably true. Yeah. But yeah, I think we did learn that maybe public mourning is not as new of a phenomenon as we were approaching it as at the start of the episode. Yeah. I think that the internet and Twitter just doesn't really lend a lot of weight to the gravity of mourning. So mm-hmm. the oh no tweet 
I still, even after this episode, I still am going to say that's not a great tweet. <laughs> Sorry, like it's not a great tweet. You can do it, but like it's not a great tweet. But like, yeah, the people who are genuinely trying to be sincere, I think we should cut some slack to them. You never know. Maybe they really did have a very genuine emotional connection with this person and they're looking for other people who also genuinely had that connection. And yeah, like you said, it's just a public funeral. Also, Sydney said too that like she wouldn't be offended if people were just tweeting RIP, RIP, RIP over and over because she feels like people her age see a tweet as kind of like akin to like a Facebook comment. It's not supposed to be super thought out. It's just mm. supposed to be like yeah, plus one. Yeah. And I, I mean, agree. We, we also come to this as people who like, unfortunately for us, Twitter is wrapped up in like our quote unquote professional brand. So I think at least I am very aware that if I tweet something, it's like, okay, that's like you going on record about that thing. I think we just care more about what people write on Twitter. I think it's just like our brains and it's sad and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And that's why we are the way we are today. Twitter taught me it was okay to be weird. Yes. So that is it. For Death Online, we have a bunch more episodes. So don't give up on us. Keep subscribing, whatever. You can follow Caitlin on Twitter, no celebrity death tweets, at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley R. Carmen or on Instagram at Ashley Carmen. Thanks to our producers, Andrew Marino and Zach Mack. We shall see you all next week. Bye. Bye.